Hello and welcome to another episode of Thinking Critically, a D&D discussion. A podcast where we take a single word or topic and discuss what it means within the D&D 5e and wider TTRPG framework. Each episode, I'm joined by a different guest to dissect a different topic. And today, I'm joined by Adam from Snyder's Return. Thank you ever so much for joining us today, Adam. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, thanks, Dan. It's an absolute pleasure to, to join you on the show today. Uh, yeah, as you said, I'm from Snyder's Return, a tabletop uh, roleplay interview and actual play podcast. Uh, so we put out interviews every Tuesday, put out actual play at the moment, fortnightly on a Thursday. And we do promos for other sh- friends of the show on Wednesdays. Uh, so, you know, we have have a lot of content going out, but uh, hopefully something that everybody can find something to enjoy at least. Yeah, yeah for so sure. Thank you very much. Much busier than I am, uh, <laughs> for sure. Self-inflicted workload, I'm afraid. <laughs> Um, so the topic of today's episode is narrative. So what does that mean to you in the D&D framework? So in the D&D or TTRPG framework, narrative to me is, is the story that's actually being told. And I'd like to stress that this is not a put down on games that are heavy in mechanics or mm. require one rule system or another, but it's why the group gets together. It's why the, the DM or GM wants to to run the game for people. It's that through line of, of another world, another life that you're telling together, stories brought to life together. Mm. Hopefully without mechanics, certain mechanics getting in the way of, of having that, that flow and that immersion. Mm. Okay. So I think a good point to start with there is then, you mentioned how, like, uh, well, you just described very eloquently a, a narrative-based setting or a narrative-based campaign. So I think a good point to start would be to discuss the alternatives or at least kind of identify them so we know what we're working with here. So what would you consider then a alternatives to a narr- narrative-based campaign? There are, there are systems that rely heavily on sort of the mechanics, either be it definitive dice for definitive roles or mm-hmm. uh, a requirement to understand a sort of cross-section of a character sheet or sheets uh, that require more reference than say the looser games systems that exist out there in the ttrpg space today so uh, a, a rules light system could be for example powered by the apocalypse uh, which is mm. sort of 2d6 with a form of modifier or the forged in the dark system all the way up through to the crunchier games such as uh, D has a certain amount of crunch pathfinder a little bit more games like mm-hmm. zweihander and things like that and outbreak uh, undead which is a fantastic game and i'm not saying these are bad games but they are on a scale no. uh, of complexity which can depending on how the group interact and and what the group is looking for i think that's that's as important as anything else if everybody has bought in to the system not necessarily bought the system but bought into the system and the game that the group wants to tell and wants to play then you know we're not here to say that that is wrong Mm -hmm. no one should tell you your fun is wrong unless there is something fundamentally wrong with your fun but that's probably a discussion another topic which i'm sure you've covered or will cover in the future Mm. yeah so narrative from my perspective almost means that the characters don't look at their character sheet 
they play the character out they move the story forward by mm. embodying the character as they have designed not by the mechanics that define the character yeah if that makes sense yeah no it does absolutely and i'm a huge fan i always tell players especially newer players that like you don't i often find that newer players will look at their sheet when trying to work out what to do and i try to mm. discourage that because it pigeonholes their view in the world to being like well i've got proficiency in arcana so i guess i'll try and use that to cross this bridge you know to jump this gap and it's like no well you don't like, you could just try and jump it because that's what your person would <laughs> yeah. probably do uh, <laughs> so yeah that maps you like just just put your sheet just put the sheet away for a second like you don't you don't really need it until almost i say you need it as the dm like especially at lower levels be- before things get wacky and complicated <laughs> you know levels nine onwards yeah definitely uh, i i found uh, and you may have found the same uh we were speaking before you've been dming D for a while now mm-hmm. that when it comes to things like perception checks and investigation it's not you know you as the dm or the dm or gm will describe the scene it could be a room could be a dungeon could be an open field it could be whatever and then the players will spend the next sort of few minutes discussing who has the highest stat yes when if they just maybe prompted the narrative maybe said oh my character scans the horizon do i see anything you might Mm. not need to go onto the character sheet you might just say oh on the horizon you see the silhouette of and it and it helps keep that that narrative that story moving it it doesn't come down to well i've got a i've got a plus three yeah and you've got a plus two, but you've got the lucky feet. So, uh... yeah, yeah. I mean, then you're trying to split the difference between, you know, what is a better benefit? Is it lucky or is it like another piece of mm. is proficiency in that skill? Now, that that is a, a particular bugbear of mine as well. Now, I've got to say, I came into this conversation thinking that I would be your foil. I would be the nope. I love the rules and the mechanics, but actually, the first thing I'm talking about is actually not that at all. So, I, I've taking myself aback with (laughs) with this (laughs) but no i I am very much the same and i've played in games before where i was i was playing a bard i have mentioned this on the podcast before i was was playing a bard and the players were like you're the bard you go and you know you're the high charisma character you go and talk to these people and i was being ever so slightly facetious and was just like you know what no i don't want to Mm. boom you know deal with this problem that i've invented for you guys because i I wanted to be like it doesn't don't my character doesn't really want to just talk to people all the time he's actually a bit of a you know antisocial to a certain extent so like Hmm. just because he's got high charisma doesn't mean he has to be forced to talk to people all the time it's a weird it's a weird kind of like mechanical coercion at that point Hmm. (laughs) yes See, so yeah, I was like, no, I'm just going to cross my arms and lean against the wall and be like, nah, I don't want to talk to this chump. You guys can do whatever you want with him, but I'm not, I don't care what happens to him. Yeah. <laughs> and that is very much, you know, what we're talking about in terms of like just letting the characters tell the story rather than letting the sheet tell the story. Yeah, yeah, very much so. And one thing I've I've found for myself and one thing I, I have started recommending to others is is to have a look at, at different game systems Games such as D&D, and I know other people are passionate about things like Pathfinder and various, and, and again, this isn't me slamming D&D because no. I, I still DM it, I still enjoy it. But have a look at other systems. Have a look at other games that use different rule systems that are more narrative, air quotes, 
yeah, things like Fate and Powered by the Apocalypse and see how things are handled in those games because it, it sort of opens out so much more to bring back to D&D. And again, I'm not trying to persuade people not to play D&D. I'm not saying you should stop playing that and play this system, but allow yourself to experience what is available out there to enhance your D&D experience. Yeah. Bring that narrative. Yeah, no, I'm like, you know, I'll take things on face value. So in terms of, you know, when you're saying people should go and look at this and or might want to consider looking at this and that, because I know you're not being malicious about it. It's all, it's all you know, it's it's obvious that it's just a recommendation. I'm a huge fan of also saying like, have you considered X, Y, Z maybe? Because you might learn something or, or have more fun about it. So that is something I absolutely need to do myself. I am have just dived head first. It's almost like a sunk cost for me at the moment. Like I've sunk so much time into D and I'm like, ah, oh. <laughs> that's the, all my eggs are in that basket Guilty. now. Mm. Um, but no, I definitely need to do some homework and some research on was it fate and powered by the apocalypse. Yeah. And, and similar systems that, so my, I won't say gripe again, different systems, different styles and, and different approaches. At the moment I have a, a bit of a sticking point, should we say, with with initiative, mm-hmm. because the games I have come to enjoy allow that sort of flexibility in in the structure to say, right, the bad guy is doing this. What's your character doing? Okay, now you now you're doing that, and he he's distracted. What's your character doing? And sort of build the tension that sort of brings games to life and allows. Mm-hmm the big bad evil guy to maybe get more than one round before the party flanks or fireballs or stealths away or or whatever the, the, the approach chosen for that encounter. Whereas I found that initiative is is great for organization structure. And I was speaking to this, uh, speaking about this to someone else recently, but it almost has its own drawbacks in, right? So it's this person, then it's this person, then it's you. Okay. So in two turns, it's you make sure you know what you want to do. And it will roll through 10 minutes later. It's your turn. What do you want your character to do now? Oh, well, I was thinking about casting this spell, but and you're like, ah, come on. We want that excitement. We want the drama. We want it at the table. We definitely want it over things like streams and, and sort of audio dramas and podcasts and things like that to, to keep players engaged and keep that narrative moving. I want to know how you're resolving or solving or dealing with this situation. I, I don't want to know why you haven't spent the last 10 minutes choosing to swing your, yeah. your axe or sword three times. Yeah, and then the next 10 minutes trying to work out the maths of what's been happening and the damage and stuff, mm. yeah. I, You don't know how appropriately timed this is because I, I DM'd last night and it was predominantly a combat about three hours of combat. I've got a my, there's six players. There was four quite tanky enemies, and I I know I, I do everything I can in my power to speed that up and to make it exciting and dynamic. But there's there is you can only compress it so much before you start to lose. Like I I I really used to embellish. Like you hit him and he deflects and sparks fly and this, that, and the other. But doing that, well, with six players and four creatures, ten times around 
I'd spent half that combo is just me talking to, <laughs> to an audience. So I, I had to start reining that in a little bit because mm. it was just wasting more time that I'm trying to rein in. Mm. And the other thing is, my guys have got a couple of them have got quite complicated setups and have a mixture of knowledge of the rules. So mm. it's it's combat can be dynamic in 5e if you have very knowledgeable players who are very familiar with their classes it's a relatively simple encounter but you know i've got a guy 62 sessions in that doesn't know how opportunity attack works like that's the level of some of my players are at and then i've got another guy who's some god knows crazy mix of hexblade warlock with hexblade's <laughs> curse and hex which are two different things yeah. So he's got his dice are like one d six plus four plus five plus three plus one d eight, uh, but it changes you know based on which hexblade weapon he's using and which enemy he's targeting. So he, he doesn't have, he can't really use macros or whatnot. So between like, and all the rest of the players fall somewhere in between those two. So it, it just mm. yeah. You, as I said, you've you've really touched a nerve because I'm tired from <laughs> running that combat last night. Uh, so yeah, I can. I guess what we're trying to, well, certainly what I'm building to is I can definitely see why those not only narrative-based games in D and D, but also narrative-focused systems are attractive. For, for, you know, even to me, and I'm a staunch D and D five E player. So even to me, I'm like, yeah, please, I'd, I'd love to use that as a palate cleanser. <laughs> and uh, yeah, uh, and I'm sure both sides of this this conversation are, are, are in agreement we're not here to sort of put down inexperienced or new players no. you know we want people coming into the hobby and, and it's not a matter of experience it's a matter of adjudicating the time mm -hmm. and, and, they, and you mentioned their embellishments and it's in i find in the embellishments and in the little reminders and the tiny recaps that that it still keeps the story moving keeps it alive it doesn't become right roll three attacks what you get right right number down move on Roll, roll your attacks. Oh, I need to make a save. Right, okay. Next, move on. Um, fair play for running for six players because that's yeah. Uh, that's that's something I I've tried also tried to sort of come away from a little bit and ease back on a slightly smaller group, maybe three or four, but it gives each of them a little bit of time if they want to describe some fanciful move that then just results in an acrobatics check but we get the whole build up and we get the whole rundown that that sort of springboard of and the classic the classic one is oh, i want to run up the stairs and swing off the chandelier mm -hmm. but as you mentioned if that adds 10 15 30 a minute to play mm -hmm. on their turn and that's every turn then you're into the three four yeah, five absolutely. hour combats yeah no six is very much my i wouldn't add another player mm -hmm. but no come hell no high water um and in hindsight i would very much limit it to, i think four maybe five would be you know in, in a future campaign that i would run would be my limit for that what well, that's one reason uh obviously there are other kind of cascading reasons but that's probably a little bit of a, a out of the scope for today uh today's conversation but no yeah it's it, it is a bit of a handful and to definitely bring us back onto the topic of narrative with regards to trying to there are certain considerations and concessions that have to be made when running a table for six, especially in, as you said, the slightly crunchy mechanics of D&D &D 5e. For six players, I have to say the narrative does suffer in some 
elements. It might only be suffering for maybe half the table. It might suffer for all the table. It might only be suffering for one of the players. But at some point, someone is probably finding something lacking because of the breadth of what I'm the plates I'm trying to <laughs> I'm trying to spin. And, and again, people have volunteered solutions and suggestions. Uh, various sort of YouTubers, fellow podcasters, and, and things uh, offer suggestions like, "Well, if your players are unsure of what to do in the first sort of ten, fifteen seconds of their turn, they take the dodge action." Yeah, something as simple as that. But then, are you not taking the game away from the player, mm-hmm. especially in these experienced players that you want to give more time? And we want that narrative. We want them to breathe life into the encounters because if we're just going to move minis, and realize this applies to virtual tabletop as well, if we're just going to move yeah. minis or tokens around the board, then we may as well be playing a tabletop war game yeah. in which D&D has its origins way back when, again, not the topic of this discussion. Mm-hmm. So finding ways to to strike that balance as you mentioned is is so important and again i keep saying that and again but i want to reiterate points i'm sure neither of us are putting down on people's creative builds but it is about how that build is then incorporated into play to move the story forwards yeah yeah now you know it is it it, as with all things in life balance and, and moderation and is is key basically and uh Again, I think to to loop us back around to kind of letting the sheet dictate your character. One of the one of my players after the fight, you know, some people were wounded, and there was a bit of a song of the dance because I think he was trying not to metagame, but didn't know how he could not metagame without kind of looking at his sheet. <laughs> I didn't realize until I've like you know ruminated on a little bit. But basically, uh, one of the players was suffering from a uh, disease. They were fighting slards, these extra planar toad dudes um that can inflict some horrible disease and they didn't really know what it was and it was about 20 minutes of him beating around the bush of basically just desperate to say will lesser restoration cure it um and it was well i've got something that may or may not help can anyone help me work out whether it can or can't help because he was all very very much focused on the words of lesser restoration Mm. and uh it took a while to finally get to the point where he just went dm can i but it, i got the impression that he almost felt like he was cheating to ask that question whereas yeah i would have actually much rather of him said you know download does is this how it works and then and then played narratively from that point onwards and let that flavor the comp the conversation whereas what we had was 20 minutes of basically discussing ass. yeah basically discussing yeah. the character sheet stats <laughs> which is well, might be some people's version of fun, but it wasn't mine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and again, I really must find a new short phrase to say. With situations like that where you, you fall out of maybe, and it could be a relatively short combat, you may have been able to sort of have a relatively tough but low-level encounter. It may have been a big sort of bombastic, uh, big bad evil uh, encounter with waves of minions depending on on how long or how your games run the narrative doesn't doesn't just stop it it's what what happens next what do you want to achieve you know mm-hmm. as as dms and gms we may describe the scene of the aftermath perfectly and somehow induce like analysis paralysis in in players decision making oh yeah and maybe at times our own descriptions are lacking where 
the the mental image or the image in our minds isn't quite transferable onto, or maybe the mm-hmm. the map isn't quite right. We've not shifted a, on the the virtual tabletop and things. So I, yeah. I appreciate that it it can come from both sides, but the story doesn't stop because you've overcome the challenge, whatever that challenge may be. It it should mm-hmm. be then on the group, DM included, to just step it forward mm-hmm. and and keep that story going. Yeah. All, all of those pitfalls you mentioned there, I have absolutely fallen foul of in terms of like describing too much and, and describing too little and, and very much our players have been like, uh, I don't know what to do because apparently I can do everything you've described so much. Mm. And then also conversely <laughs> being like, is this thing that you've put on the map really there? And I've just gone, no, it's just there for flavor. But, uh, I, I don't forget about it. Just ignore it. But then it's like the, you know, the elephant in the room, you know, don't press the red button. Everybody's now focusing on <laughs> <laughs> this thing that I've told them not to focus on. Um, yeah. yeah. So uh, absolutely. That is uh, yeah very tricky. Uh, but one, one thing we, we've talked a lot about, ironically, uh, actually about kind of more mechanical shortcomings. I wanted mm. to get your thoughts on, I mentioned some, some considerations and concessions that I have to make when running mechanics, heavy combat. What, considerations and concessions do you have to make when running a narrative driven a narrative focused campaign if indeed any at all there is a a mindset shift very much from a game such as as dnd or, or pathfinder mm-hmm. i have found from my own experience and, and and others have mentioned the same where instead of trying to achieve a singular action so we'll frame it in, in high fantasy. I think everybody's got a decent touchstone on that. Mm-hmm. And we'll have a single hero, inverted commas, and a nefarious goblin. Not all goblins are nefarious, no. uh, but th- this one happens to be. They are in an alleyway in the middle of a busy city. You, you've taken the wrong turn, and you've been faced down by a goblin with a with a knife. There's shadows. It's slightly wet. It's been raining. You know, there's guttering because somehow I've invented guttering in this high fancy world. Mm-hmm. It's that's pulling out into the onto the cobblestones of this side street. It's a little bit grimy. There's some rubbish bags down the alleyway. In a, a game like D and D, you will roll initiative and you will take an attack or two, depending on class build yada 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 mm-hmm. so you will state your intention to make an attack you'll roll the attack outcome of which is x depends on if you have a second attack you may do that two weapon fighting and all those sorts of good things or it might be that the nefarious goblins turn to roll an attack and stab you and take your well-earned hard-earned gold coin whatever it is local currency mm-hmm. if you've earned it in the city in a more narrative focused system it it wants to know what you're trying to achieve effectively uh, so you, instead of saying right i'm going to swing my short sword at it you would say i'm gonna race into the alley i'm gonna try and knock the the goblin unconscious and i'm gonna drag it back to the 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 local law enforcement i'm gonna take it out into the street and and summon local law enforcement and the whole thing, that whole interaction, so the movement, your attacks, their potential retaliation mm-hmm. and moving them onto the street is resolved in a single role. And the outcome of which is generally in games like Powered by the Apocalypse, 
a low roll is you fail and they get a chance to inflict some sort of bad thing on you. Mm-hmm. You do it partial success or mild success. So you manage to overpower them, but they, they manage to shank you before you, you get them. But you drag them out into the street and they get arrested. A great success, you move through, you hit them with the, the butt of your short sword or force them against the wall with your shield and you drag them out of the alley unconscious and present them to law enforcement who give you a short, small reward adding to your mm-hmm. now growing bag of gold. So you're not dictated by step by step. It wants to know what you're trying to achieve, what you really want to do, what the story of the moment is, not what each swing looks like. Mm-hmm. So in in that instance, 2d6 plus whatever tags or modifiers or bonuses or depending on the system, depends on how that number is is modified in a plus or minus fashion. And then you describe the story that it plays out as a scene. It's more more narrative, more cinematic in that that respect. Mm -hmm. So sort of equating it to your six group (laughs) D&D contest, instead of combat taking three hours it might still take time to understand what the characters want to do but if one of them is trying to subdue a couple of minions obviously i wasn't there i don't know what quite what you had on the board but if one character wants or one or two want to try and subdue some minions that's a role depending on how that goes one of the other characters could be trying to retrieve the item inverted commas and escape from the big bad evil guy. Another one mm-hmm. might be trying to sort of intersect, but you can have each of these scenes sort of trickling into each other so that it plays out. One of the best descriptions, which is actually in City of Mist, is is think of it more like a a, a Netflix scene. Okay. Uh, and, and the narrative style allows that. So you play out this scene, they might get some, some successes, they might get some failures, maybe the pe- person going under the after the the minions gets overpowered they're outflanked they get overpowered and they're knocked unconscious mm-hmm. it seems pretty harsh but it could happen yeah. in fantasy land anyway uh the one that gets the item achieves it and signals to the others and the one taking on the big bad does enough that they maybe knock them backwards and allow everybody to bar the one unconscious one escape and then you can always fade out sort of change the scene move things forward Whereas D&D and similar systems, you seem to be stuck in that rotation until everything is resolved one at a time and dealt with accordingly. Mm -hmm. And again, it's not the system is a bad system. It's a different system. It's a reason. It's just different. It's a different approach to play. Mm -hmm. Um, And we've seen, depending on which streams you watch, be them D&D, be them Vampire the Masquerade, be them newer systems like the Fallout system or, or whatever, each tell a story in their own way each craft a narrative and convey a story in their own way and it is done very well by a great number of people mm-hmm. but understanding there are different ways to tell similar stories just helps bring it all together i would say yeah yeah thank you for that uh, I, I i felt like i was in a, a rainy alleyway then when you started talking so no uh, that was <laughs> very good um i think one of my players, funnily enough, I think would better suit that type of game. And I, I always feel bad because he always tries to think outside of the box and basically do as you've just described. Be like, I just want to, I want to do this. And then 
I have to go, well, what does the spell say? Can you do that? And the spells are very, very clear cut in D&D. And usually the answer is no, which then inevitably leads to him being a bit bummed out. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> so I think something like that would much, much better suit his style of creativity and being like, I just, I just want to achieve this. And I think that's one of the, he also, I, weirdly, he also is one of the players that kind of conceals from me what he's trying to achieve. So more times than not, I've said like, what are you trying to do? Just, mm. just tell me what you're trying to do and let me tell you, let me help you do that. Because I think he feels like there's a weird meta gamey, oh, I don't want to tell the DM because the DM might cheat me out of it. I don't know. There's some, some weird uh, neuroses there that I think if everything was, as you've described, you know, in this narrative system from day one, transparently, I don't think they would have manifested in the way they have. Mm. Yeah, I think that's one of the... I'll, I'll do it, I'll be brave and say one of the <laughs> drawbacks of, of D&D is that it encourages mechanical play, I think, m mostly because of the way everything is worded and because it's all very min-maxi and I need to... I Like, I've got one thing to do on my turn, as you said, and I better as hell make that a worthwhile expenditure on my turn otherwise i feel like mm. i'm doing nothing uh, and it so it encourages that mentality of uh i just hit it again because that seems to work and is not particularly exciting because it's just clashing blows for three hours <laughs> and uh, sort of building on your point there of communication which is is a key to having this, this narrative continue irrespective of the system is communication and openness with that communication as you say and it's been mentioned in uh, actually a, a Matt Colville video very recently mm -hmm. uh, go and check them out because they're brilliant um, run of the game series mm -hmm. the question was why and the question sort of built on and and this is why it's sort of pertinent to, to this is is what why are you trying to do something what are you trying to achieve what narratively is your character wanting to achieve? And we will back that up, or we will try and back that up with mechanics. Sometimes we can't, as you mentioned, because of, of, say, spell requirements. Yeah, that balance and congruity and balance. all that kind of stuff, yeah. So people will spend, you know, good time, their own personal time working, perhaps initially on their own, ideally with the DM to sort of flesh out a backstory, flesh out what their character, who their character is, what are the character's touchstones, what the character wants to do. And then sometimes, and I'm not saying it happens every time at every table, but sometimes when you get into the play, that, that drops away in favor of, I want to roll dice and swing big sharp thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, I, I, I th here's a really good thing that I want to think about here is that I always tell people, look, your ideals, bonds, flaws, and personality traits are, are there, right there. They're taking up about 15% of the first page of your character sheet. Mm. They're, they are, the sheet is at least telling you they are important. But the fact that I've actually had to have that discussion a couple of times kind of begs the question of, well, funnily enough, why? <laughs> why is, has that come up? And it, it just people are just focused, I think being humans being humans are you know focused on numbers mm. numbers get bigger equals good big number equals good and i think that as i said that the the, the design i think in part encourages that mentality i want to see my proficiency bonus hit plus five 
oh, I've got a bond over there. Oh, yeah, that, I do like pies. Anyway, uh, proficiencies <laughs> plus five, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, building on those bonds, flaws and ideals and things, I, I've seen it uh, and been part of it where a flaw has been brought up or one of these backstory touchstones. And as you say, they're like, yeah, 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 but I, I want to go and do this instead mm-hmm. because of X. Well, you have a this this personal story of of person X or thing Y calling you. This this is from either your backstory or mm-hmm. from your character sheet that you've written down. I've I've started I'm not trying to break the game, but I've given people what some may say are over powered magic items they're published yeah magic items it's nothing you can't find on mm-hmm. say dnd beyond or in the, the the source publications but giving them something big to then have that as part of their narrative how did you get that special bow how did you get that particular orb or mm-hmm. the thing x that that is now special to your character and what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do about it? Mm. Is there someone coming to find it? Can we work your backstory in into this? Somebody on Twitter, I think it was Ben Newbold, forgive me if I'm wrong, put on about having sort of a a reverse party and having you know them show up at some stage and, and be a reflection or a uh, echo, as, yeah. a sort of a, a echo, a counterpoint to to what your players are doing. Can we? work the narrative through that to build your bonds with the group are your players actually a, a group and a party or are they three four five six individuals who just so happen to be in the same place at the same time mm-hmm. stabbing the same thing hopefully together yeah mm, uh, yeah i think my guys currently fall very much in the latter of that <laughs> um which actually has swung so far that it is actually leading to quite interesting interactions between them but i'll save that for another day (laughs) but uh one question i had then based on what we've discussed so far and this is a a genuine question from from me now rather than a produced podcast question uh (laughs) it to sound vastly more professional than i am um in terms of those narratives like the alleyway scene you described, mm. is there more pressure is not the right word, onus is maybe the right word, a work for the GM on those instances to kind of the, the player might be like, I want to try X, Y, and if those are successful, Z. And then does the DM have to then build basically the really butchering this metaphor but the 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 rest of the alphabet to basically support that it just feels like certainly in that combat situation you described there might need to be a little bit more work for the gm rather than just having an excel spreadsheet open that tracks hit points (laughs) yeah i I can see what you're getting at and i'm not going to say that narrative games are for everybody as we said sort of before there's there are games for everybody and there should be a table for everybody mm-hmm. in instances like the alleyway scene previously described you want to almost just rework what the player's imagination has produced mm-hmm. embellish it slightly and then dictate a suitable outcome again it doesn't have to be super special it, it could be um 
So slightly different scene. Yeah. Your characters or characters, the party, the group, whatever they are, coterie, depending on the system, are escaping. They are running away from bad people firing, I don't know, crossbows, pistols, assault rifles, whatever it is, mm-hmm. across rooftops. So it's a a quiet night, busy city. There's a that sort of soft orange glow that cities tend to give off the light pollution all around. You can hear the, the cars in the streets below, police sirens across the city. Maybe there's a, a bridge that's illuminated. It looks very picturesque, but you don't have the time to take that in. You're running. You're sweating. You're panicking. You can hear bullets whizzing past your ears. What are you doing? One player might say, I want to jump down the fire escape. Okay. Why? Where, where are you trying to get? I want to jump down the fire escape and pull the ladder down so everyone else can come down with me. Or I want to, as I go down the fire escape, I want to point to a dumpster that people can jump into. Mm. Or I want to get down the fire escape, pull the ladder down. I want to race to the car and get the engine running. Or which is it? Which of those would you like to do? I want to get to the car. I want to get the car running so we can all escape as a group. All right. Uh, so as these bullets are whizzing past, make a roll. Roll whatever the dice are, add the modifiers as appropriate, and get the outcome. Uh, it's a bad outcome. All right, just as you slow down to start to descend down the fire escape, instead of the bullets whizzing past your ear, you feel the hot sensation and pressure of something forcing its way into your shoulder. You've taken a bullet to the shoulder. As you begin to climb down, you start to bleed profusely uh, and are woozy as you get down. There's a blood trail and it takes you longer. Uh, maybe it's a mild success. Uh, maybe as you get to the fire escape, the ladder jams and you fall the last couple of feet and twist your ankle. You're still moving. You still achieve what you wanted to do, but but you're slightly injured and the bad guys can, if they get to the the edge, can see what car you've got. Or great success, you managed to descend, maybe even dropping a couple of flights, very, I don't know, Jason Bourne yes. acrobatic style, uh, maneuvering down. You get to the car and start the engine, switch the lights on, get it going and leave the door open for the rest of the party to join you mm-hmm. as long as the player gives you something to work on as a gm as a dm you can just paraphrase it reword it mm-hmm. rework it they've already given you everything you need to make what they envision exciting that you're making it something you're making it something more than just yeah i just want to get down Okay, well, roll me acrobatics to see if you can swing on the ladder. I got this. Right, well, you get halfway down and then this and then... Do you still... How much movement does your character have? All right, Mm -hmm. well, it was 10 feet to there and then... And then if I measure it, that's another 15 and with the acrobatics... uh, Okay, well, you get get just short of the car and and now it's the bad guy's turn and they get to fire six rounds at you. Or, you know... Mm -hmm. Isn't this... There's nothing worse than doing what you've just described there and then having the player, for whatever reason, get like you get your hand on the door and that's the end of your turn. And then they just stood at the car like an idiot. (laughs) Just that (laughs) feeling, that that feeling sucks of being just like, well, I'm just a gooseberry standing out in the open now. Like, but that's, I know you can rule of cool it away and and so on and so on. And maybe you just give them an extra five foot of movement and, and so on. But then that might, you know, if they get five foot of movement, does everybody else get an extra five foot? It opens up a whole can of worms there. Um, but yeah, no. Another question is, can you come and like set the scene for my games? Because you do a way better job than I do. 
I'm sure you do a fantastic job. It's just I don't get to hear about it, so I just get to describe uh, what I can't see, to be fair. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's that's something else that, that, again, is a different discussion between having a grid or a map or uh, some other sort of location setup or marker compared to things like Theatre of the Mind. Yep. Where in Theatre of the Mind, you can play with distances a little bit. But yes, yeah. I found with groups that not everyone can work the positioning in their minds well enough to enjoy the game. So, you know, I'm still learning, still sort of picking things up. I, no matter how well I try and describe things, if if someone is maybe neurodivergent or, or something mm-hmm. like that, and they're, they're not able to, to work within that sort of realm, then we have to adjust and and compensate and be inclusive as our at our tables as we should be with no matter what version of inclusivity we're going for mm-hmm. you know there's, there should be i, I keep saying it because i somehow turned it into a strap line uh there should be a game for everyone and a table for everyone absolutely yeah yeah no and i've got mad props for those that can keep theory of the mind in their head past level one because trying to juggle distances and whatnot is is a, is a feat in of itself uh, of this person's x away this person's y away but you're kind of equidistant between this person's z so what are you going to do and it's just like whoa, whoa, whoa how far away was i first from the first person <laughs> oh i don't know man just whatever <laughs> i've i've definitely tried and again this comes back to more mechanics than narrative but but tried to to tell the players don't worry about your movement speed until i tell you it it matters if you need yeah. to get to the to a tree to hide behind this unless it is vitally important you can only move 30 feet ish then you can make it if i choose to put an obstacle in the way and say well you may need to maneuver around it then i'll either put a map up so we can work from a a common reference point mm. or we will sort of We'll make it work. You know, we'll have that understanding. Yeah. Okay. So uh, a similar but different question I've been thinking about when it comes to building a narrative-based game is similar to what I was asking before in terms of... So the the question is um, that there's always this mentality when designing games uh, or designing a campaign, homebrew or whatnot, that you shouldn't plan plot you should plan a situation which is a, a general rule of thumb for even mechanically crunchy D 5e you should never plan players do this then they do this then they do this you should just say this thing is happening how do you deal with it mm. which is general advice that works most of the time and again your mileage may vary you pinch of salt different for your table blah 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 all the usual caveats apply but generally that's something that i subscribe to myself mm. is that very much still the case for these kind of softer systems or these narrative-based campaigns? Is that still very much the instance of, like, I'm trying to think of a good example here, like, there is there are some warring factions to use a very, very tired trope that are just in this kingdom, and it's making... There's, there's, a, there's a larger military presence on the streets because of, you know, allegations of attacks. You know, is that very much the case still? Uh, yeah, I would, I would say so, that so various systems have have various different approaches, even within a say a power by the apocalypse framework. So 
or Forge in the Dark or, or, or systems like that. So Forge in the Dark works on clocks. Pretty sure they're called clocks. And relations. So there's a few other games that sort of have like a, a status marker against certain factions. Games like Symbarum uh, by Freely Publishing has sort of a, a, a faction index. Games like Alien, which I love. Uh, it's not technically rules light, but it's 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 a great game, and I highly recommend people play that. Go and check it out. Contact me, and I'll run a game for you. Whatever. Um, so Alien uses buddies and rivals to help build tension in the party, and then like an overarching hidden agenda that runs both for a particular character and for Ooh. the overarching narrative. Yeah. So to stick to stick with Alien for a second, everybody gets a character. You roll d6s and potentially d6 stress dice as your stress goes up things can happen but in the midst of of suffering from this stress or trying to stay alive or trying to achieve the mission depending on if you're using the the new colonial marines operations manual side of stuff you will have a buddy someone you will protect no matter what and you will have a rival someone you will push under the bus should that bus happen to come along at a convenient or inconvenient moment you will also have a hidden agenda. So not only do you like somebody, you hate somebody, and you want to achieve something for yourself, be that mm-hmm. something like, very straightforward one, acquire something within place X, but make sure nobody else sees it, or... Down- download data or something like yeah. that, yeah. Yeah, siphon off oxygen to your tank only, and there's kind of evil kind of actions. Not all of them are evil, but majority of them are to be fair self-serving um, perhaps is maybe a better yes. way to put it <laughs> yeah uh, as i said uh blade in the dark uses a clock mechanism so depending on what you're doing in dusk or the city it's it's set in depends on how the factions interact so game uh what have i got i'm literally scanning my shelf of what's in front of me <laughs> uh city of mist you can run it as statuses uh so each rather than having a traditional character sheet you have a series of of tags that you can apply and add as to roles as modifiers mm-hmm. that also goes on a wider narrative to major players in the city however you want factions to interact with the group and each other it can still be narrative does occurrence x still happen in narrative place y well maybe there's a difference between a linear style game, if the players are aware they're in a more linear game, mm-hmm. than a railroaded game. We're not here to to remove creative choice or narrative options. No. But we are aware that if the players choose to take one narrative option, the second or third narrative option will also still trigger. It's why I like playing City of Mist, because... It's a city, so it's it is an entity in of itself. So if the the crew, as they're known in City of Mist, are investigating a case or dealing with a particular mythos or are having downtime, then maybe the faction or the organization steps ahead. City of Mist, and I know a few other games do it, use cutscenes. So it, you're you're actually pushed to feel like a a TV program, you know, mm. like, I don't know, 
NCIS, Burn Notice, um, yes. and others. So you'll get a cutscene of what the bad person is doing. You will, oh, amazing. It's it's such a, again, it's it's the shift of, of, of mindset, of mentality when you run yeah. a game like City of Mist. So in D&D, for example, and I will keep saying for example, the alley, alleyway, city, grimy, in a game like D&D, Pathfinder, or whatever, you will have to try and spot the hidden assailant. Mm-hmm. You will actively have to, to try and do that. In games like City of Mist, the MC, the Master of Ceremonies that, that controls the game, will actually describe the fact that there is an assassin hidden in the shadows in the alley. Okay. You're allowed that little bit of metagame knowledge, and it, it's all done from more of a camera perspective. So it's it's sort of yeah. switching between knowing what's going on and understanding that your characters don't. But the mm. tension is there because your characters won't know not to think, oh, that, well, there's there's an assassin with I don't know uh, a slight I don't know a rifle or a sword or a dagger mm. or some poison. I don't know. We're just sort of spitballing ideas now, hiding in the shadows, just waiting to spring out. And then you move into the narrative um, sequence of events and how the players choose to respond. And do they want to go toe-to-toe? Do they want to take this on immediately? Do they want to try and escape? What if the assassin Mm -hmm. fails and tries to escape? Do they want to pursue? And how are they doing it? And things like that. So it requires a little bit more narrative flexibility with respect to to the factions that you mentioned mm. nowhere is no i was going to say nowhere is completely isolated but i'm sure someone can create somewhere that's completely isolated without any kind mm. of external or internal influences or, or factions um, yeah yeah wow that is you've just really opened my mind there to like absolutely i can totally see what you're saying it's a different it's a mindset shift because absolutely it is i think you know, framing it like a scene from a TV show or whatever, yeah, it does require a certain level of meta well, maturity with regards to metagaming from the players. But I can see how, you know, I would love to be a player in that situation and then the GM is like, but little do they know a person waits with a big hood, around, you know, around the next corner for them. Like, that is great. That's such, ooh, I'll be like, oh, I'll be giddy with excitement waiting to see what happens <laughs> next. Um, whereas, obviously, in D&D, it's like, uh, who's your passive perception? 14. Oh, yeah. You spot and, that uh, thing. <laughs> or, or, or just nothing. And then it's just mm-hmm. like, oh, okay, well, cool. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, absolutely. And one thing I wanted to mention there when you were describing the alien game around buddies rivals and objectives i forget the game terminology for it goal um that's pre-baked narrative into the character and i know mm. that and i'm sorry i'm going to keep going back to D. it's what i've got most experience with but that's i know fine. that the book says and suggests you know why don't you have a think about your friends and family why don't you have a think about you know your bonds and, and why you're in this world but it's never you know, they can so easily be completely inconsequential. Mm. Like, I like pies, which is a great, a very great <laughs> bond. I'd love to play a character whose reason for living was to eat a load of pies. But in terms of like driving the narrative 
all the onus is well a lot of the onus is on the dm there to try and spin something yeah. pie based into the game <laughs> i mean if you're happy to cherry pick and sort of home brew and and i was going to say home bake that was not an intentional attempt at a pun uh <laughs> things like that then you could lift uh double check the name but i think it's magantha out of curse of Strahd. she bakes dream pasties Oh. So if if your characters are that dead set on liking pies, Curse of Strahd, Dream Pasties. There you go. There, there <laughs> is there is the pie you're after. Um, I do I do love uh, I do love how the like the hypothetical situations you've set up are very like emotive and descriptive. And mine is like, dude likes pies. Uh, <laughs> let's let's talk about that. Uh, uh, it's you know we're all coming from different knowledge and experience uh skill sets and and bases and and there's mm-hmm. there's again th- there isn't a wrong way for for you to put your point across or or, or for me to to sort of agree with your point which <laughs> is effectively what i'm doing uh, yes <laughs> i i don't tend to homebrew as such i tend to as i mentioned before cherry pick out of published source materials i while i might be able to embellish and, and give verbal flourishes Mm-hmm. creating a a world from scratch creating something like you have for your own party your own group stumps me and i know i've i've watched all the the world building videos i've listened to sort of world building podcasts where it's like start small and spread out from there and things like yeah. that but i'm like but, but for example wizards of the coast have already done that for me i can just lift an entire location out use it almost verbatim with minor changes mm-hmm and the players are not gonna gonna know i don't need to go on say a wonder draft or incarnate or yeah fantasy name generator i can just say oh look box text that one fits the location it's already got the buildings in place it's already got relative npcs that they can meet no one's gonna know if if you walk out water deep and straight to Baldur's gate if you don't tell them the two places are that distinct yes. or those distinct places what I'm saying is I'm not above plagiarizing Wizards of the Coast work. And other settings. Uh, Davakar for Simbarum is an incredible setting. Uh, well worth checking out. Just trying to think what else I've got around me because there's so many. It's, you know, they have paid editors, content creators, and rules adjudicators, and whatever else that, that you might have thought of. And, uh, you know, go on the DMs Guild or go on drive through rpg if you want to steal stuff from other systems just do it lift an entire setting from a completely different setting and just use your DD adventure in there Mm. i'm looking up i've got uh the vampire masquerade books like just above me and i've got the the fall of london so if you wanted to lift london as a whole place (laughs) and just put it in your your fantasy world as a location do it because your player's not going to be going, oh, well, we've just strolled into London, Londinium. They'll be like, mm. wow, this, this city with so many bridges and a big clock tower and this dirty river. And what's that over there? And, <laughs> and they'll be off. They'll be like, oh, where can yes. we go? What are the factions? Who's doing what? Where does this tie into the... They're already there. You're yeah. just... I'm not going to say cutting down on the work because GMs and DMs put in the amount of prep that they feel is appropriate. But it's an option. It's, there's, yeah, there's always ways to to 
approach things differently or potentially improve for sure. Um, I take all the advice gladly. I know we're we're almost at time, but I had one question that I did want to surprise you with at the end uh, and definitely put you on the spot. Uh, see, I'm all about transparency as well. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what do you think... This is really going to put you on the spot, actually. I'm almost regretting asking it now. Uh, what do you think makes a good narrative? And I realise I haven't defined what good is, so guide <laughs> what what define what to me defines good narrative let me, let me let me give you an olive branch and then say what 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 do you think makes a successful or effective narrative then to use a bit more guided descriptions to me and i'm sure you've seen it at your table i'm sure independently we've seen it at other people's tables and on streams of podcasts and things to me a good narrative is the time where the players don't touch their dice Mm. They don't touch their sheet. They are living the character. They are living in that immersion, in the moment that has been presented to them, set up for them, whatever that is. And they are just being their characters. That that narrative story that it could be a piece of personal drama to a particular character, but no one's wanting to insight. They are moving the story on they want to go and chase down a lead they want to know who that mysterious figure in the shadow was that somehow caused the barbarian to break down into tears you, you know they want they want to follow the breadcrumbs the seeds the the plot lines that you put down but not rely on their insight check or some sort of arcana check they are moving through the world moving the story forward without having to rely on necessarily the judgment cause of the DM. If there's a moment where you need to to help move it on, you need to describe the next scene, you want to help them understand someone's motivations, or they want to speak to an NPC, the narrative keeps moving. The story keeps moving. It has its highs, its lows. It can be elation in one moment and desperation or despair the next, but they are living it. And it moves, and it moves you. You feel it. I think that's. I think that's ultimately what I want to get at. Good narrative to me is something you feel. Good gameplay is something you do. If that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And that is definitely the snippet of this episode you've just given me there. So thank you very much for that very very <laughs> strong <you>. answer. <laughs> um, is there anything that you wanted to discuss that we might not have covered yet? I don't believe so i think we've covered a broad range of topics within a singular topic so um you know i i appreciate you you giving me the opportunity to to sort of ramble on 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 various points and hopefully provide some sort of useful content to somebody oh no well at the very least to me but i'm absolutely certain it will be to everyone else who listens as well no I, I found this very very eye-opening so thank you very much for that discussion uh is there anything that you would like to promote yes there is actually i uh, appreciate the, the the opportunity uh so i'm adam for the interviewer and dungeon, dungeon master game master for snyder return podcast uh we do interviews so we have been able been fortunate enough to speak to some some fantastic people in the ttrpg community both from the mainstream and indie side, so we'd appreciate checking out some of our interviews. We have some one-shots using some various different systems, some short art 
short arc D&D storylines, and currently we are doing a fortnightly releasing City of Mist game. Hopefully I haven't butchered that system in my attempt to, to run it, but um, mm-hmm. that's been a lot of fun to, to play and record. So again, please go and check a number of the games out we've, we've mentioned. Uh, I am also currently DMing, because it's D&D, uh, DMing a D&D 5e game for the Awfully Queer Heroes, and I am also DMing a game for Beholder to No One. So they are oh. two fantastic podcasts. Go and check them out, not just because you will hear more, more of my voice. And so, yeah, uh, we have usual so we're on twitter at return snyder have instagram we've got a link tree you can find all this stuff uh we have a website so you can see what interviews are coming up i am trying to keep on top of that as well as actual play episodes coming up and there are transcripts for every single interview we've done so if you do want to read along with some interesting edits by by the transcription service then go there make sure i get the name right www.snidersreturn.squarespace.com is the website i think that's i think that's everything amazing thank you so much well uh nikki from beholder to no one has actually been on the, my podcast uh, back on she episode has. 10 where we talked all about random stuff so yes <laughs> sounds about right <laughs> it's good to see uh yeah all, all my all my guests getting along swimmingly so no uh, mm. thank you very much for that and uh as usual all the links to uh, everything Adam's just mentioned are in the episode description. And I would absolutely encourage you to check them all out. Otherwise, all that's left for me is finally again to say thank you, Adam, for, for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you, everybody at home for listening. As usual, uh, please reach out, preferably on Twitter. That's one I'm most accessible at. And I'd love to talk about all the bad dm mistakes i probably revealed too much of on this podcast (laughs) (laughs) so thank you all for listening and good night